Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians and chapter 13. You say, well, we're, we're supposed to be in Christmas messages, so, but it will be Christmas message. So this year, getting ready for Christmas is a little more challenging, wouldn't you say? When you start to go shopping and you're looking online, you're going to the store and you're trying to get ready, uh, buying certain things. What's interesting, I think, is an uh, article just came out of the Atlantic Magazine. You may have heard of that. And it, here's, here's the headline of it. America is running out of everything. <laughs> America is running out of everything. Well, how does that make you feel? A little fearful? A little scared? May affect your Christmas? May affect more than Christmas? Is America running out of everything? It goes on to describe there's a shortage, a shortage of workers, a shortage of supplies. There is a dramatically impact, it has dramatically impacted our economy, our healthcare system, our education. We're scrambling to find things we need. Current workers are overwhelmed. Our supply chain of products is running dry. Workers, substitute teachers, cars, computer chips. <laughs> Exercise equipment, breakfast cereal, toilet paper. And I was looking the other day, Pepsi. <laughs> Not on the shelf. The problem is, this is all happening when we're getting ready for a time of buying and giving. It's Christmas. America is running out of everything. Do you realize this, that at some point... Everything runs out. Everything has shelf life. Everything begins to decay. Everything. Stop and look around and every single thing you see is slowly decaying. So this is a reality that we live with. Now, the Apostle Paul in this passage is talking to his church family. And he is saying that everything you are doing, everything you have will fail. But this, you'll remember the title of this message and what I'm gonna do is give you the title, it's in our text, and then build up around everything that it leads into it and, and comes from it. Love never fails. It never runs dry. It never gets exhausted. We never run out of it. It never weakens. It never falters. There is never a place so far that love can't chase you down or a pit that you're in that is so deep that his love won't reach you. His love never fails. So the contrast in our life, everything else is failing and will continue to fail. So here's the text, two verses in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 7 and 8. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy... They'll be done away. If there are tongues, 
they will cease. If there is knowledge, talking about a supernatural knowledge, it will be done away. Love never fails. Some of you will have a Bible translation that says, love never ends. <laughs> you know, I'm always comparing. I've got a, on my computer screen, I've got all these different uh, translations. And I go back, try to go back to the original word. I said, fails or ends? And literally, it, it is saying, love never stumbles. It's like you're walking along, love never stumbles, falters, or goes down to a, a lower level. Love is consistently supplying. So I do think, I like, that's why I chose uh, the New American Standard to read this, love never fails to fulfill everything that God has intended. You live in a body that's failing. You live in a house that's failing. You live in an economy that's failing. You live in a market that's failing. But love never fails. And then he has these comments leading into this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's like this poetic um, leading up to love never fails. And when he says all things, he is, he is covering everything. Everything in your life. Everything you see. So when we're looking at, a, on a horizontal level, at our earth and people and things and trees and flowers and gifts and brand new bicycles and new cars and new clothes and all the new toys, usually broken before the end of the day. <laughs> Everything is failing, faltering, stumbling. But love, all things, above all things, never fails. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And I thought, we're at Christmas time. What a great message for Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him should not perish, perishing, but have everlasting life. So really the message of Christmas is love never fails. It transcends all. And it will never weaken or never be diminished. It will always be full. I think it's just amazing. It's just amazing. This is the eternality. We would call it the eternality of the love of God. God's love is different. God's love is different. And we find our great security in it. And that's why I get excited about this because even though the rest of the world is, and we can tend to be like them too, but just fearful of what, what's decaying, falling apart, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to get our things that we see beyond that, yes, we do get concerned. <laughs> I did get some extra stuff, you know, at the store. <laughs> extra toilet paper, and I didn't hoard it, you know, it's like some people got their things stacked up at Costco. Um, so you want to be smart about this, but it's, it's not the same, because I see that really what, what matters and what endures is love. God's love is different. I love this part in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans 8, if you've not read that, is one of the greatest, 
passages in all of the scripture. I'm just going to read a portion of it. It says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he goes on to say, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's our security, is the love of God. Shown to us in Jesus Christ by him coming into this world, dying on the cross for our sins, offering us to eternal life. That is our security. That is our security. Annie Johnson Flint wrote this uh, familiar part of her hymn. It says, His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. It's like this fountain that there is, it just keeps flowing, flowing to the love of God. Corrie Ten Boone, she was concentration camp during World War II, persecuted, lost all of her family under the Nazi rule. She said this, there is no pit, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Isn't that good? There is no pit so deep. You ever been in the pits? <laughs> that God's love is not deeper still. So what he is saying here, all, and he's speaking to the church, you know, we, we kind of get back to context. I don't want to review every Sunday, so you can go back and listen, but in the context, I'm having a lot of disunity and conflict about who has this gift, and I have the gift of prophecy, and the gift of tongues, and the gift of healing, and so it gets to be divisive. It's not unifying. And what he's saying is all of your spiritual giftedness, the stuff that you do, you know, that fades away. That fades away. But love lasts forever. In, in verse 8, he goes on to say this. He says, if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away. So when he speaks about these three, just kind of giving an example, but in, in that day, the church people had the Old Testament available. They didn't have a New Testament because it was actually being written. Paul was writing it. So how did God communicate his word, his present current word for that day? It was through prophecy. So God would supernaturally empower someone to speak his word. It can also be used in the sense of not so much foretelling future, but just speaking authoritatively God's word. When we talk about uh, the gift of tongues, uh, two ways that we see in the New Testament tongues were used. One is going into a new area. Say Paul and his uh, followers are going into a new city and they don't speak the language. <laughs> And God supernaturally gives them the ability to preach the truth, the gospel, in that language. It's a, but there was a purpose for it. We don't see that. I think it's possible today. Uh, in most of our cultures, that's not something that, that we're familiar with. There's also what appears to be, and we'll see this when we get into chapter 14, a, 
a speaking in tongues like a prayer language to God that is, that is used to express feelings to God. That's a little bit harder to get our minds around, uh, but we'll dig into the, to that later. But basically what he's saying is all the stuff you do, all the stuff you have, all the stuff you build, all the stuff we're worried about is fading away. And you think about it, you know when you're, when you're going through your closet thinking of what to get rid of? There was a time when you thought, that's really cool, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> what happens, you know? It's just like every, everything we have, it's pretty much like that. And, and what he's saying is, I want you to be thinking eternally about this. God's love is forever. And, and here's the point. You cannot, you cannot exhaust the love of God. You cannot exhaust the love of God. So a thesis, and I'll come back to this at the end, it is impossible to exhaust God's love for us. And it should be impossible for us to exhaust our love for one another. This is his point. If God's love for us is inexhaustible, then my love for you and your love for me should be inexhaustible. And it's going to take a supernatural work to do that because we do not have that within ourselves. So let's look at these four, it's like this I call poetic statement of, of power. Love never fails because it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So let's look at these four briefly. Love bears all things. And when I, I sometimes I'll look at this translation that says, it bears all things. And then another translation says, it always protects. I'm thinking, I don't, I don't get, so again, look it up. And actually, in, and some things are just hard to translate. I mean, you can take one word, and it usually takes like three or four different words or explaining to translate this, and that's, that's like this here. So what, what this word is saying is, bears all things is like a post uh, that's part of a, um, a wall in, in a house. It's like, it's like the, um, the bearing wall. You know, and the people say, well, I'm going to knock that wall out of this and make this room bigger. You say, no, don't do that. It's a bearing wall. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That's a bearing wall. So you have these posts that hold up the roof that covers it. So that's, that's kind of how you explain that word. So it, both words actually are representing what is being said. So it bears all things. So in other words, it's like this post bearing up the roof that covers everything. Love bears all things and covers all things and the roof protects all things. So love will protect your home. Love will protect this church. Love should cover everything we do. So if you take your, your home or this building here, we don't own it, but uh, we're meeting here. If, if these posts are holding up this roof, everything in here should be done in love. Every room you go into, every relationship you have, Everything you do, 
when it's saying here, love bears all things, it holds up the post, puts the roof, covers us all, and protects us all. I think with your kids, there's nothing you can do that's more powerful than loving them, protecting them, and giving a safe environment in that. So you've heard that you've seen the commercial, what is it? I don't know if it's Under Armour, what, Protect This House? <laughs> protect This House, it's a sports thing. Am I, am I? Maybe, you haven't seen that commercial, but. It's kind of like, to protect this house. Well, how is, how is Valley Community protected? How is your home protected? By love. Poured out by God, received by us, demonstrated like our Father. We live like our Father. And he gives us the ability to be able to do that. Everything we do is in love. And that's what we pray for to be. A love for God, a love for one another, a love for truth and righteousness, a love for peace, a love for worship, a love for obedience, a love for giving, a love for serving others and helping them. We love all those things. Do we hate anything? Sure. You can't, I can't, my, I can't love my wife if I don't hate anything that would come between us. That doesn't mean I become a hateful person, but it's, love protects that way. It's in this household. If I love truth, I hate unrighteousness, every false way. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it, uh, people say, well, there's no room for hate. Well, there, you, can't, you cannot have truth and hold the truth and love the truth and not hate evil. You can't, you can't love this little child and hate anything that's going to destroy this little child. But the overwhelming attitude is one of great love. So love bears all things. Secondly, love believes all things. And you know, I, I, Diane and I were talking about that this morning. It doesn't mean you're gullible. <laughs> I thought, well, love just believes whatever they say. And it's really not even talking about the faith, like believing the faith of, of, you know, the historic faith of God's word. No, it means me believing in you. You believing in me. This is all about relationship. We're not talking about the theological structure of the church. We're talking about how you relate to people. If I love you, I believe all things. That, that, and, and, what, and I know it's kind of hard to say, well, you don't just agree with everything a person is doing. You don't believe in everything you're doing. But basically what it's saying is that my, my goal in life is to want the best for you. I want the best for you. I believe in you. I believe in what God's going to do for you. So if you tell a lie, I probably don't call you a liar. That's not who you are. I say you're acting like someone else. <laughs> you're being inconsistent with who you are as a believer. You told a lie. That wasn't true. I would say, now, now, be who you are. Be who you are. See, I think it's so, 
much of how we communicate in affirming people. It believes all things. I believe God loves you. I believe God's at work in your life. I say to, my, to a son, I believe God's hand is on your life. I believe God has a great future for you. That's not wishful thinking. I believe this, that every kid in this church, every teenager, every college student, God has a great plan for their life. Do you believe that? And that he loves them. And so I want to speak in affirming ways. I'm affirming what God has said. Your identity is a child of God, loved by God. Now, you may act differently than that, and so I may call you on it. <laughs> Believing all things doesn't mean you let everything slide, but it's calling back people to who they are. You believe the best about others, and that's a choice. Honestly, it's a choice. You say, well, you know what, I don't really trust them. Okay, well, then be wise. You know, someone comes and says, I want to borrow $1,000. Okay, um, I can still believe in them and not give them the $1,000. Um, <clears> it depends. But, but it's, it's how I think about them is with value. How I speak to them and how I act toward them is believing all things of God working in that way. It is not a blindness to reality or to responsibility. It is choosing to believe the best because it is the best that God has promised. <laughs> so how do you do that? How do you do that practically with your family? Is your, I, I think, we, we talked about that this morning too, is that you, the home can be the most condemning, condemning place anywhere. There can be more condemnation poured out in a home than any other place. Or there can be more encouragement and affirmation in a home than any other place. And it can be the same with the church. So we ask ourselves, is it a place of condemnation or one of great encouragement? Do we find ways? <clears throat> you know, and sometimes, it's like I'll tell people, just wait until, you're talking about young people, just wait till you see them do something good and, and let them know that. And I said, I've been waiting a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> just, just remember the way you were. A lot of time for young people, they're just trying to test truth. What is true? What, what, what are the boundaries of my life? They're forming things. It's okay. It's okay when kids have questions. You know? Or make, make some statement that you go, ah, they just said, you know, I don't believe there's a God. Or I, what, they're testing things. You keep affirming and encouraging, speaking truth. And I believe this, believing that God is going to work in their life in incredible ways. And you continue to communicate that. So love bears all things, believes all things. Third, love hopes all things. Hopes. The word really could be translated anticipates. It anticipates, again, the best. You know how we'll see something happen. I don't like this the way this is going. <laughs> I do not know. Wait, but, but it's like, you ever watch a, a rerun of a, a game? 
you know, one that where your team won. I don't watch reruns when they lose. <laughs> but there have been a couple games, I think of Broncos games, uh, some KU basketball games, when it was like really a big, big game, really, really close. And I, I didn't enjoy the game while I was watching it because I just, you know, I remember my, I had a whole house full of a college students at, at, at our home watching a KU playing for a national championship, and, and it was just like agony. And I, because I had, I had both teams being represented there. <laughs> but then after I taped it, I went back and watched it, just totally relaxed, because I knew the way it was gonna end. And I think this, we know the way it's gonna end. Now, there are a few things that we're not, details about it, we're not sure, but we, we know how this is going to end. It's good. <laughs> and I think that when, when we have the, the truth that God, he says this is true, and he has proven all the way up until this point, everything has been true. So that gives us even more faith to be able to trust that, that what he says about the future is going to be true. So when we hope all things, we anticipate the best. Just like believing the best, we anticipate the best. So when something difficult comes, and we're trying to process a tragedy, a difficulty, a sickness, a disease, an incredible loss in our lives, we'll go back to, I was talking about Romans 8. There's a verse in there, and some of you will know this verse. Some of you have not heard it before. It's in Romans 8, verse 28. I think it's one of the best verses in all of Scripture. It says, and we know, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. You know what that's saying? Whatever mess you have, whatever tragedy, whatever heartache you have, what, how, no matter how bad it is, God is working this for good and ultimately it will be good no matter how many interceptions no matter how many fumbles no matter how many turnovers no matter how bad the score gets relax relax we know all things work together for good every promise will be fulfilled that's why I challenge everyone be anchored in this book because it's going to fuel you with these kinds of promises, the things that you can know. We are eager to see his loving promises fulfilled in the lives of our children and the lives of others in our church. And so I'm eager for you to see you grow, to see you find fulfillment in, in God's purpose for your life. As a pastor, I feel that way. I really, for every one of you, as I look at you here and as I pray for you, as I do my best to try to every day to pray for you, that God would fulfill everything he has. And I know it's good. I know it's all good. So this gives us the hope. It's not just a wishful thinking. Singing this past week is Kathy's brother we had his funeral on Wednesday and I was thinking you know where, where would you be without that hope I mean you're there it's like and not everybody that comes is even 
thinking this way, but, but even, it is hard. There are tears. You do grieve. It's, it's not like, oh, it's, it's easy. It's not easy. But I'm saying is that when you have the hope of eternal life, it, it changes everything. And this is what this is talking about, the anticipating what God will do. The rest of the world reacts. We anticipate. So finally we come to this. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and love endures all things. And the word here means to bear up under with patient endurance. While others are fainting, failing, giving up, cashing in, becoming exhausted at the end of their rope, who have had enough, we endure. Here's a question. Do you think for a moment that you can exhaust the patience of God? Do you think for a moment that you can exhaust the love of God? I have a friend, but I'll close with a story. Um, we go back to college days, which is a while ago. <laughs> We've been friends all along. This guy was super sharp, loved the Lord, finished his PhD work, went overseas, doing, doing incredible work. And I'm thinking, you know, just every it, wonderful family. Uh, everything about his life, I'd say, that, you know, follow that guy. I mean, he's just, he just an incredible friend. And he is today. But when he was doing a lot of traveling, he slipped up and was involved in a moral failure. And he was so distraught. I think several times wanted to take his own life. And I, I remember going through these things with him. We'd talk on the phone. He said, how could, God, how could God ever forgive me for what I've done to my wife, what I've done to my kids, what I've done to the, the work of ministry overseas? How could God ever forgive me? And I would try to reason with all of the scriptures I knew, but this is how he felt. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt, you know what, I've just, I've been too bad. I just, too, too much. I did it again. I think most of us at some degree have felt this way, but, th but this, for my friend, was taking him to a very, very dark place of wanting to take his life. <clears throat> so we talked regularly. He was talking to a number of, uh, he, we had a bunch of friends all speaking into his life. <clears throat> He said, I just don't see how God, I, I said, I, he said, I don't even see how I could be a Christian. Christians don't do that. I said, yes, they do. <laughs> and um, this went on for years. Lost his family, kids, job. He's working just at a minimum wage job. 
And he's a guy with a PhD with world recognition, and he's just, he, he can hardly survive. We talk and talk and talk. And I asked him one time, I said, so what you're telling me is your ability to sin is greater than God's ability to forgive. He said, I'm not saying that. I said, yes, you are. You're saying you're greater than God. That your ability to sin and disobey and get all that happened to you, that God's ability cannot cover that. But you know what? I, I, I think that, and, I, and I, I say I know a lot of scripture. I mean, I don't, but, but I, I mean, use every scripture I could use. And, but you know, all of my reasoning didn't sway him at all. But I think the power of prayer for him, here's what happened to him. He was reading in the Old Testament and in the book of Kings. Now, most people don't go there to find inspiration. <laughs> uh, you know, I say go to Psalms or Philippians or, you know, he's in the book of Kings and he's reading about Manasseh. And Manasseh is one of the later kings and, and Manasseh was the most wicked, vile king of all time. He rejected God. He sacrificed his own son to foreign gods. Can you imagine that? He was wicked, wicked, wicked. At the very end of Manasseh's life, he repented, and God forgave him. And when my friend read that, he said, I knew God could forgive me. I thought, hallelujah. <laughs> God's love is inexhaustible. It never fails to reach the deepest point or the farthest place that you might go or the greatest weight that you have on you. It can bear it up. The power of love, the endurance of love. And what it's saying is love never fails. It doesn't stumble. It doesn't fall. It doesn't falter. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't weaken. While everything else in the church, in your home, in this society is fading away and the world's in a panic because the supply chain is, is Christmas. Folks, at Christmas, love never fails. Praise God for that. It endures all things. So while America is running out of everything, we are not. <laughs> not love, not at Christmas. This is what we, we find. The world is running short, time is running short, everything in time will fail and fade away, but this love will not. Remember, it is impossible to exhaust God's love for us. And it should be impossible for us to exhaust our love for one another. There, there's a passage Craig has been preaching in 1 John. And I just, I love the way God does this. It's like, everything we do is like this. Chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says this. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, 
we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Isn't that amazing? No one's seen God, but they see the love of God in us, how we love one another this way, this agape love, this supply. It's impossible to exhaust his love. So as we go into this Christmas season, if we could remember these words, love never fails. Never fails to accomplish God's intent. Never fails to fill your life. Never fails to reach you where you are. Never fails to resolve the problems that you have in your life. It never, never, never fails. Let's bow our heads for a moment and close our eyes. And I'd like something a little different today. I'd like for you just to think. Take about 15 seconds and think about your home, where you live. And how you would describe it. Would it be a place where love thrives like this? Bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things? Or is your home like the rest of the world? Without the love of God. And as you think about that, would you just say a little prayer and ask God to help you? to represent his love in everything you do. He would delight in that. And it would fill your life. And it would make our Christmas different. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the greatest expression of your love of sending your Son to die for our sins on a cross, to rise again and conquer death, and to offer to us the gift the free gift of eternal life if we but simply believe, to accept, to receive. And so I pray that that love poured out to us will fill us and overflow to one another and never fail. In Jesus' name, amen.